1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. And welcome to the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. I'm here with Doug Rutledge hey, hey, hey. and Michael Hull. <laughs> and uh, we've been recording uh, some podcasts today. And we just had something that happened that was like a world pastor moment. Yeah. And uh, we just finished a prayer. And so what we felt we would do, now we know that the, the subject we're going to approach today is really a book. Yeah, I mean, it could be a separate podcast series, all those types of things, but we're going to take 30 minutes or so, and we're going to talk about this today. And so, Michael, you received a phone call just as we were wrapping up our last recording. Why don't you tell us what just happened? Sure. One of my church members uh, just contacted me just a while ago about his job, about having his job. He had, he had to, um, he's a manager at the place he works. He needed to terminate an employee, and that employee, after he terminated him, uh, threatened to kill himself, and then threatened to kill my church member and his family. It kind of rocks you to hear that. Obviously, the, the company he works for has human resources, and they're dealing with it and other things like that. So if you're worried about that, you know, but we felt we need to pray, obviously, ask for prayers for safety and comfort and peace. And I just realized the reality is, even as a rural pastor in that, my moment, my heart, because you know you're connected to your people. That they are part of your community, and you're connected deeply. And so, and by the way, this young man, we he's not young anymore. I can say young because I'm getting older, but he's right. in his 30s. Um, he, we baptized him at our church. He was letting Jesus through his whole walk. And to hear that in your heart makes it sink. Now, it doesn't mean I don't trust Jesus to protect him. I do. Yeah. But there's still a compassion in the heart. Because Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Yeah. And Jesus broke, his heart broke for people at times. He wept when Lazarus was dead, even though he was about to raise him. Right. There's a compassionate heart as a pastor, as a real pastor, hmm. which causes like stress and anxiety in my life, not just that church member. So today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the mental health of the pastor because at any moment we can get that type of phone call. We, we've talked about the need for grit. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the need to be able to grind things out. But let's just be honest, guys. When you're a rural pastor, and yes, it's true of all pastorates, okay, we, but, but we focus on rural ministry here, being a rural pastor can really challenge your mental health. It can, you can get wore down, depressed, all these other things, being a rural pastor. So today I want to talk to you about, the, we, we're going to talk to you about mental health in the pastor. And let's just, why is it so difficult for a rural pastor in the area of mental health? What are some of the challenges we face? 
in thinking through uh, this, as we talked about what we were going to study, you started by saying this is a book. Obviously, this is a book. And I think one of the factors that makes this so difficult is this is a book that none of us are prepared to write. Just knowing what we know about our role, we might have had one or two classes in Bible college about counseling. Right. But, but nothing prepares you, and we've all had these situations, nothing prepares you to sit outside a bathroom and wait for the shotgun blast. No, nothing prepares yes. you for that. And uh, I know that we've all done something like that. Yeah. So there's that. We're not really prepared to be crisis counselors. Number two, there is a decided lack of resource. There's a distance to help. There's a loneliness, yeah. isolation. So rural is just, we're not resourced for this. And we're not the only ones that are, people who live in rural areas struggle with depression. Yeah. The longer you have been a part of a rural community, and as people begin to open up to you, you see just how much depression there is in rural America, and you suffer from it as well. But we were just reading recently about farmers and suicide. Yeah. What, what are... Doug, you had mentioned that to me the other day. 3.5 times the national population average really? are farmers. Um, so they did a study, and I mean, 3.5 times the, the average, uh, yes. you know. And I think that that's a scary number. It's higher by twice in rural communities. Hmm. So rural communities hmm. don't have the same resource, but they don't have the same opportunity for rescue either. There's not the same socioeconomics. I can't go out and get another job. This young man willing to take his life because he doesn't have a lot of options in a rural community. And so it's a more serious scenario. Well, I remember last year we were uh, here in Wisconsin. Um, Doug, Mike and I were with Rural Matters Institute. And the subject of suicide came up with farmers. And we asked the pastors that were at this little conference that we were at, all rural pastors, how many of them personally knew a farmer who had committed suicide and every pastor in the room, you know, they raised their hands, but, but let's just focus. So, so we understand it's a rural problem. Yeah. Let's focus on that rural pastor. What are some of the reasons? What are, what, what puts us in a position where our mental health is challenged? Well, I just seen the other day, I was thinking about suicide. I remember the first time we saw, I saw a, a body of someone who took their life, like, yeah. Right. Happens. Like you walk into situations you never walk into in too many places in your life other than ministry. Yeah. To see that. Yeah. And then we had to go out and live the rest of our day. And then I was thinking about the other day, and then try to like go back and shift gears. And then I was thinking about we we lost um, a baby here in our church. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I think there's nothing worse. I think it's the it right. is the equivalent of hell on earth mm-hmm. when a child dies and when a yes. baby dies. It's I think there's, if there's if you're actually breaking passion, never have happened in life, or mm-hmm. never happen again. It's that. It's yeah. it's just hell on earth. And I remember having to go to a birthday party less than 24 hours later, thinking, oh, yeah. this is insane. Yeah. I, I, I had no chance to shift gears. Or maybe you've done this, maybe you've done that. Uh, maybe vacation on Sunday morning at your church with a baby, and then on Sunday evening you're doing the funeral of someone else that passed. Yeah. We're, we're, we are humans, and, yeah. and we are emotional beings, and yes. we have mental stress. Yeah. And at a certain point, we have to acknowledge the reality. Yeah. And the rural pastors yeah. without staff, that really oh, yeah. you you go into coping mode. So I, I just did a, a funeral recently, and um, it was not a bad funeral. It was a good funeral. 
uh, define the, a good funeral. Well, uh, it's never good for the family necessarily, but um, but it was an older woman. She had accepted Jesus Christ. Yes. I mean, you know, the family knew she was in heaven, and so they had embraced that. Yes. But it doesn't take away from the emotional energy that I have to expend as a pastor. Not that we begrudge that, but yes. if you are a legitimate pastor, you are expending emotion, empathy, yes. sympathy, and you have to do that to do your job. And to do it well, you have to feel it. Yeah, you do feel it. Well, you get done and you're just wiped out. Yes. And, and then you have to turn the gears and shift again. Yeah. And then you have to be a dad and a husband and, or, a, or a, you know, a wife, whatever the case may be. And I think the reality is, is what, what happens when it's your closest friend in the church or like oh, yeah. your wife's yeah. best friend, which we buried yeah. uh, a, a few years ago. And you have to pass her through your own grief. And then you're trying to process that and you don't have space for that. Yeah. And, and then you become lonely. And, and this is, I don't want this to be depressing, but I think we need to address the reality yeah. and say that we do understand. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I think if you're out there today and you're feeling those things in the game, I just, it takes everything I got in my power to get up the next morning. I mean, yeah. we've all had those days. Like, it takes everything. But you're on day eight of that or 25 of that or day 50 of that. Yeah. Like, we want to let you know we're for you. Yeah. And we're here for you. Because those are the days, and why I think it's so hard in the world is those are the days you wake up and go, I really personally don't want to get in bed today. Yes. I just had to bury my wife's best friend. Yes. And now I have to practice my sermon that's going to have to give 48 hours later, 24 hours later. Yeah. Right. And thinking, how do I do that? Right. And, yeah. And you talk about, um, Michael, I've talked to you about this gear shifting we have to do. Yeah. And we, we sort of compared notes here. But how many of us have done a wedding, funeral, baby dedication, family mourning, family separation, dealing with divorce, all in a 24-hour, that might be an exaggeration, no, no, but, no, no, but no. certainly within a three-day weekend, yeah. we've yeah. had where, where I am mourning with those who mourn and I'm rejoicing with those who rejoice within a few hours each other, and at the end of it, I'm frankly numb. Yeah, I am numb, and I don't know, like I feel guilty for rejoicing with a family when I know there's another family that is literally heartbroken because yeah. of a death and vice versa. You know, I, it's it can really wear you down emotionally. It's, it's not even only that. I mean, yes, all of that is true. And you live in a fishbowl. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right? Yes. Right? So yeah. my response has to be right to both extremes. Right. And it can be an hour. Uh, again, Dak Prescott, ripped by someone over the concept of revealing that he'd struggled with depression, and he gets ripped by the media. Yeah, the yeah. man admits pain, and they go after him. And sometimes in our churches, yes. we can be destroyed because our response is wrong, but it, it's wrong out of human emotion. And we would forgive that in anyone else. Right. But we live in the fishbowl. Oh, yeah. And the pastor isn't supposed to be. We have, and, and part of this is just our expectations of who we, you know, we have this idea that we are the savior of the world. Oh, really? But it is also the congregation that feels that way. So that where do you, like, where do you go? Okay, not to get ahead, but, you know, at some point I'm going to say, okay, what can we do? Yeah. What should I do if I'm a rural pastor and I am just afraid and, you know, I, I am feeling like resigning or I'm feeling like something worse than that. Yeah. And the first thing we would say would be, go get help. Yeah. Yeah. And where are you going to go yeah. get that help? So, yeah, now, so now we've compounded the problem with hopelessness. Yes, <laughs> we're, we're, we're right. Uh, we are just so generous. So just think about the list of things that lead to desperation. 
I have anxiety. You know, Mike was talking about, about one of his pastor friends that was going through anxiety. We've gone through anxiety. I've oh. gone through anxiety. You struggle. The, the performance that you have to, you have to perform every Sunday or you have to, you've got to be ready. That's notwithstanding lower pay, isolation from true friendship groups. We're yes. talking about that. I can't just bleed on somebody. Most often it's my wife. And my wife's in the same fishbowl, in the same isolation, with the same expectations. Or even your kids. Yeah. And, and so here's the deal. You live in this low-level anxiety. And yeah. by the way, everybody lives in anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yes. but the problem is, is we live it in a way that we can't express it. We don't have that coworker we can go to and just kind of dump on. Or that yes. buddy we go golfing with that, you know, because everybody knows you in yes. the town. And everybody knows who you are in your role. And that expectations of yourself... Yeah. And your expectations of other people in you that you've allowed to come on, that we start to lose our value of who we are in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the danger. And I and I get it because it's easy to fall into that. It's easy to fall into the traps of what people expect out of us. Mm -hmm. And then you're also going to worry about like, all right, how do I feed my family if finances are tight? How, I mean, there's a ton of stuff that stacks with this. And, and there seems to be, so like you're in the fishbowl, there seems to be a an element of this that there's no break. There's, there's no break from the fishbowl. There's no break from financial pressure. If, if I do get away, then I've added to my financial pressure because I spent some money to get away. I mean, everything begins. You can mm -hmm. begin as a, as a rural pastor. You begin to feel trapped. You begin to feel like there's hopelessness. And how do you get out? Mm -hmm. How do you get out of that situation? You know, in your call out to God, God, if someone would just write me a $10,000 check, I could go take my family somewhere nice. I could take care of that bill that's overwhelming me. I mean, it feels like there's no relief. Right. I have a friend, a businessman, who says this, money fixes everything. He's a believer, but he still says it. Really? And he doesn't say that money brings happiness. Mm. He says that money fixes everything. So he said, so you have stress, you have anxiety. You know, it'd be surprising what a $10,000 vacation would do. The truth is we're servicing, serving in churches that cannot afford to cut us loose yes. because in a lot of cases they can't fill the pulpit for two weeks. And I've been in churches where the pastor's been expected to pay that out of his own pocket mm -hmm. because he's not doing the sermon. So somebody else, you know, you got to pay him. That comes out of your salary. I know pastors who've been so burned out and the church won't send them to a conference because it'd be nice if somebody paid for my vacation. Well, most jobs they do. And so I think, you know, without being uh, despondent here, I think that we, we do have hope. Partially, it might be somebody listening who says, you know, I have some, I have some ability to help. And I'll just tell you, maybe... Maybe it is writing a surprise check to a pastor that you may or may not know. Now, that money's not really the answer to everything. Right. He yeah. doesn't really believe that. But if I can't take a vacation and my family's burned out and I need to get away, hmm. yeah. If, yeah. if you make that happen, it's an incredible gift. Right, yep. Yeah. The yes. workload's heavy. Yeah, the workload is heavy. I mean, there's so many things that complicate this. And so what we'd like to do is... We can't, we can't answer all the questions. Other than we do want to be just very clear. Rural pastor, if you are suffering, yeah. you need to know that you're in a very big boat with lots of other pastors. We all like to hide it, but all of us, every single, like if we wanted to go around this room, the three of us, and tell those times when we were at a mental breaking point, 
All of us have been there. Uh, we, we get that. And we, we wanted to say a few, we want to speak a few things into your life today. And, and then, very frankly, we want to pray for you. Yeah. And so the first thing that we had wanted to say, I've already referred to it, is this. If you're in serious trouble, you have to find a way to get help. Yeah. Even at this point, reaching out to us in the mm -hmm. comments, emailing yeah. us, yes. whatever it takes, you have to get help. That it never goes away. Yes. It doesn't go away by itself. We know that when we tell our other people this in our congregation. Yes. But it's not going to go away for us. Mm -hmm. It's not going to magically disappear. Another thing that we had wanted to say, and, and this is just, I, this is a little bit difficult, but we just have to say it. Sometimes when we're going through really hard times, our secret sins begin, like, like mm -hmm. we begin to want to cope. We, we look for a release. I mean, I can't tell you how many pastors, when, when I deal with a pastor and I find myself in positions where sometimes I have to deal with church discipline with pastors, yeah. so many times I look at a pastor, I don't think it was sexual temptation that brought him down. I think they were under such pressure and they felt trapped and here was a point of release. Mm -hmm. And I've had a few times where I actually feel that the pastor was glad they got caught because then that's forcing them mm -hmm. to be to be taken out of ministry for a little bit. Yeah. So again, I, I, I don't want to be over the top on this, but I'll be transparent. I mean, I, I think there are pastors like me who have struggled with something. Now, right. I was blessed in that when I went through my struggle, it was discovered early. Mm -hmm. uh, I, had a, I had a struggle with pornography. It was right at the beginning of, uh, you know, it was years ago and I struggled. I mean, right. but it was a fast struggle because I was, it was discovered and my church, instead of booting me to the curb, they restored me. But it was because they had resource. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal. Yeah. So you can't just put somebody back into the pulpit on Sunday. Right. They, they have to go through restoration. I'll tell you what happened to me, though, and it's an incredible story. And This should be hope. If you're struggling with secret sin, right. find somebody. And somebody you can trust, do it. Get rid of it. Confession. Because Confession. one of the amazing things for me, I was coming home. My church had allowed me to talk to a counselor. And I was coming home from that after it had been a few weeks. Yes. And I'm coming home. And all of a sudden, I felt a freedom in my spirit that I hadn't felt in yes. a couple years which released the me again. I was me again. Right. I was creative and energized and I was okay. Yeah, and that really leads into what we were going to, another thing that we had really talked about was you have to find someone yeah. that is a friend. Yeah. You know, because here's here's the temptation for many pastors. They they will dump it on their husband or their wife. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll come they'll come home and just and guess what? Their spouse is, is in the same fishbowl, facing the same pressure, yeah, yeah. and it's just amazing. And you might say, but there's 45 people in my town, and, yes. and I have like most of them in my church. Yes. How do I do that? Well, there's ways to go outside your church. There's ways to go outside your community. Yes. And one of the things that I started in real time is I talked to another real pastor friend of mine, we started with accountability. One, month, one, one time a month, yeah. we get together for an hour, we yeah. do a half hour and we share what's going on in our spiritual life, our family life, and our ministry life. Now, sometimes we lean heavy to whatever is the biggest issue. Right. And we pray for each other. Yeah. And he's a friend. Now, we call it accountability, but he's a friend. If I need him at other times, I call him. He calls yeah. me. Now, it's not ideal. I'm not saying if you can get a friend in your town that you can take fishing with or go hunting with, 
great. Or yeah. go golfing with, whatever works for you. But if you can't do that, find that friend that's willing to hold you accountable in your issues or willing to listen to you and say, hey, dude, that's not something, that, or hey, young lady, that's not something you should be putting up with. And I think that really makes a difference. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Another thing we're going to talk about was just find a way to get away. Yes. Like for me, I'll just be really candid. I, you know, I we ended up becoming more of a regional church, but I think this is true of every rural pastor that I know. You drive an hour and a half, two hours away to go on a date with your wife just to get away from it all, and you sit down at the table, and someone knows you yeah. is there. Oh, I heard nice. Donnie Briggs. Donnie Briggs one time told the story that he went on a cruise and he was like in the Caribbean and someone, he's sitting there with his wife and, and a person says, are you the pastor? And like, I can't even go to the, the, is it the Caribbean or the Caribbean? I don't know, Mr. Mr. Chippewa Falls guy. But I I think that's only funny if people have been listening. Listen, yeah, yeah, it's not a You have to go back. But finding a way to get away yes. is so important. Yes. Yeah, you have to do it. You can't control what you can't control. I can't control when a funeral happens. I can't control when grief happens. I can't control the fact that I'm feeling weak or, or, or uh, you know, transparent. I can't control those things. I can't necessarily control my salary, but I can speak to it. Which, you know, again, God didn't give us over to a spirit of fear. Power, love, and self-discipline sometimes I have to stop being the victim, even in the middle of being victimized. I've got to stop and I've got to make some good decisions. Like I'm not going to stay up till two o'clock and watch watch Netflix. I'm going to go to bed at ten with my wife. Yes. I, I'm not I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm instead going going to read. I'm going to do something. Yeah. Shift it up. Eat real food. Yeah. Go to bed. Drink water. Go for a walk. And we're not telling you to find no, balance. No, right. We're not telling you to find no. balance. We're asking you to find healthy rhythms. What yes. if, and I, and I learned this one after I had a heart attack, what if you just make one healthy change today that yeah. will last for the next month? One step. Something that helps you. Instead of trying to break off all of it. If it's ask help, admit to a problem to a friend, find a friend, all those things, just take one step today. I'll even go one step beyond and just say, if you have no one else, contact us. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe we know somebody who we can put you in touch with. And maybe, yeah. you know, we're not offering to solve this. Remember, we're not the guys who should write this book. We can wave the flag a little bit and say, this doesn't go away. Yeah, absolutely. And resources, are there, I'm just curious, are there any any books or any, I mean, like, where would a person go if they wanted to dive into this a little bit? Well, one of the things that I, one of the books, my favorite books is called The Leader's Journey by Jim Harrington, and there's a few other authors, there's two other authors, Trisha something, I can't remember, I apologize, but The Leader's Journey by Jim Harrington is a really good book about anxiety and family systems and structures mm -hmm. of anxiety in ministry, specifically towards ministry. Now, it's not for rural pastors only. Right. But it's specifically towards people in ministry and how you deal with those situations. It was a game changer for our church mm -hmm. and for my team. So like The Leader's Journey by Jim Harrington yes, is a book that we're going to recommend today as we begin to wrap up. And, and guys, um, normally we say the cows are coming home. But today what we're going to say is it's time for us as rural pastors yeah. just to pray for those who are listening today. Yeah, join us in that right now. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and so... 
I'm just going to lead in this prayer and, and just, uh, we, we want you to know that we love rural pastors and our heart is with you. And so father, we come before you today in Jesus name, And we're just praying that across, um, the internet as people are listening to this, that your spirit, which is not in any way limited by time or space or limited in any way would, would speak to those who are hearing our voice right now. And Father, those who are discouraged, those who are at wit's end, those who may even be contemplating the most horrific of endings, the most horrific escape, or those who are thinking about resigning, or those, they, they are just ready, they're, they're numb. Father, I pray today that first of all, your spirit would touch them yes. today, that they would be able to, to mm -hmm. sense a new infilling of your spirit that would encourage them. Mm -hmm. Then Father, if anyone lacks wisdom, they should ask and you will give. Lord, there, there are things that need to take place in their life to deal with these issues, whether it be getting help, getting a counselor, whether it be dealing with a secret sin, all the things that we've mentioned, Father, I pray that that pastor who is discouraged, who is down and feels mm -hmm. like there's nothing that they can do, that you would show them what action step they could take. And Father, in those impossible places where there seems to be no way, we pray that you would make a way, that you would, that you would show the way and make the way. You parted water for your people. You, I mean, you have done so many amazing things. You are beyond our comprehension. And Father, I am praying for that discouraged pastor. Lord, this has been a tough season. You know it. All of the division, all of the strife, all the COVID, all that stuff, Father, has piled up. And Father, today we're praying for release for that rural pastor. And so, Lord, bless them, lift them up, and give them wisdom and give them courage to take the steps so that they can minister to people who are also discouraged. And Father, we think of that passage that says that you are the God of all comfort and that you give us comfort that we can then share with others. Father, as ministers, we want to be a comfort to others, but Lord, we need your comfort. We need your comfort today. And so, Father, give that to each pastor listening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 And so, guys, thank you for joining us today on the Turret Road Circuit Riders Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Know that we love you. We care for you. We would love to hear from you. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, 
loving the rural teen. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. Happy trails.